Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. For years, Pennsylvania's LGBT community and others have campaigned for enactment of an anti-discrimination law. As it stands, Pennsylvanians can be fired from their jobs or not be able to obtain housing based on their sexual orientation. Last month, legislation with bipartisan support passed the state Senate Urban Affairs and Housing Committee, a significant step in getting the proposal considered by the full legislature. However, it appears to be stalled now. To talk about this uh, proposal and other issues is Ted Martin, Executive Director of Equality Pennsylvania. Ted, welcome back to the program. Thanks very much. I appreciate being here. It's always good to be here. Let me uh, tell our listeners at home that if you have a question or comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. All right. Just a few weeks ago, you were on the program just a few weeks ago after uh, the the massacre Mm -hmm. at uh, uh, the Orlando nightclub. We were talking about some different issues at that time. But uh, one of the issues you did bring up was anti-discrimination laws. And I have to admit that I was a little bit surprised that within a week of that, we were talking about this law because this is something that you and others have campaigned for for years. What happened? Well, I think, you know, just to your point, this has been an issue that's been around for 13 years in the legislature being batted back and forth. Pennsylvania remains the only state in the Northeast you can still fire someone for being gay or deny them a public accommodation. And one thing, too, to remember, it's not only sexual orientation, it's gender identity right, as well. So right. the transgender community uh, faces a disproportionate amount of punishment really because of the lack of law. I think what happened, uh, you know, there was always momentum building. I think people had finally started to realize that it was not advantageous for Pennsylvania to stand out like that in the Northeast or in the country. And I think Orlando, you know, I tried not to, I didn't want to conflate the issues. I mean, I think that it was a terrible tragedy and we needed to recognize that. Uh, but I think people started to understand a lot more and ask questions about the LGBT community in Pennsylvania and how they were protected. And, and I think it, 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 added to the conversation. It certainly added to the conversation very much in a heated way. And, and that, I think, brought the, uh, the issue forward um, that, that ultimately brought it out of the, the Housing and Urban Affairs Committee. Did it surprise you at all? Uh, you know, I think it did and it didn't. I mean, I, I think it surprised me that it moved so fast. I don't think the legislature and all my friends in the legislature, I don't think it particularly moves in a rapid way. So I think any time action happens, it's a surprise. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, people were very much aware. I think it was surprising to me how very much aware and how raw that was and how it brought issues forward regarding LGBT people uh, in a pretty quick way. Mm-hmm. One of the surprises, and I'm, I don't know whether you were surprised or not, but I did hear other people saying that they were surprised that it got the kind of bipartisan support that it did. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I I think two of the largest supporters of this, uh, Senator Scott Wagner from York, Republican from York, Senator Pat Brown, Republican from the Lehigh Valley, you know, and a lot of and a lot of Democrats, Dan Frankel from uh, uh, from Allegheny County, Larry Farnese from Philadelphia, another Democrat from Philadelphia. Um, You know, I think I think people have begun to realize um, all of these folks that are involved in this issue realize a couple of things. They know LGBT people. That's very different as, as, as moved forward over the over time. They also understand that Pennsylvania benefits from having this law. I mean, this isn't only just a uh, an issue of fairness and, and, and equality. It's an issue of economic development. 26 Fortune 500 companies in Pennsylvania based here, all of them have um, uh, programs or um, um policies that uh, you know prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity. People come here 
uh, from the LGBT community for jobs or to expand or to live because they feel comfortable here and because they feel safe. And so without it, you know, I, I people look the other way. So I think people have started to look at the issue in a larger, um, more thorough way, quite frankly. All right. So this legislation in particular, what does it do? So this legislation would amend the Pennsylvania Human Relations Act, which is a which is a piece of law that's been around for uh, close to 65 years, I believe. And it prohibits discrimination in employment, housing, and public accommodations already for uh, uh, around issues of gender and race and disability and, uh, and you know national origin and all those type of things. This would simply amend in sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression to uh, to prohibit uh, discrimination in employment, housing, and public accommodation. So it just really would amend those three classes into the law. Now, you've said this many times that uh, Pennsylvania, and you said earlier about the only state in the Northeast, I think we're um, there are 22 states, mm-hmm. 25 states. How many? How many states across the 22, 22. Yeah. across the country that do have anti-discrimination laws? Um, Almost three dozen Pennsylvania municipalities have done that. Thirty-five, as you, right. as you also mentioned, uh, there are a number of employers across the, the state that have done it as as well. Um, but getting to the 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 gist of it, that uh, people can be fired based on their sexual orientation or identity mm-hmm. um, or expression. Uh, give me some examples of where that has happened today. Sure. So here's the thing. You know, I always get this question. You know, many times legislators or people say, like, you know, I need to see victims. Bring me victims. And I understand that. I think it's a little creepy, to be frank, <laughs> when you ask about these things. Yeah. But, you know, understand that because there are no legal protections in Pennsylvania, there's no statistics. There are no statistics out there that show that this happens. So there's no no one that collects them. The Human Relations Commission doesn't collect them. And so it's hard to say that, you know, last year there were... X number of cases. However, anecdotally, you know, I get calls uh, probably, you know, one to two a month of people that are facing some situation of being uh, denied housing or being fired uh, or, or made, you know, situations that make it very difficult at work for a person. And so I get those calls um, on a regular basis. I also get calls from headhunters, which is always sort of interesting. They have an LGBT client who is looking to relocate in Pennsylvania, weighing whether they want to take a job here. And, you know, they'll say, you know, how are we protected? And so, you know, often I have to say, like, well, it depends on where you live, because that's the sort of crazy quilt nature of those 35 municipalities. You can be very much protected in Lancaster City, but once you leave the borders of Lancaster City, you're not protected in Lancaster County. You know, you can, uh, you know, be protected in Philadelphia and drive across the borders into Montgomery County and be protected in some places, but not all places. And so it's just sort of that weird game of of locating people. And those calls, I mean, back to your question, those calls, I would say, you know, I get uh, maybe one a month, you know, here and there. Uh, and, and they're odd because... You know, it's not comfortable to say to people, I can't guarantee your safety. I can't guarantee your security. Maybe you should look elsewhere. But aren't there legal recourses already? No. I mean, if if someone calls you and says, you know, my my reviews with my employer have been good over the years and... You know, I've been fired. They gave me a reason because no one uh, I, I doubt very many employers are going to come out and say, you know, I'm firing you because you're gay or you're married to a man or married to a woman. If you, you know, a female. Um, so, I mean, aren't there recourses that, that someone would have anyway to go to court? 
Well, first of all, just so people understand that I think this is always the big misconception. Everyone thinks it's covered somewhere. There are no state or federal laws anywhere on the books that protect people, uh, LGBT people, as being gay, bisexual, transgender people from uh, discrimination in employment, housing, or public accommodations. They just don't exist. They exist in some places, like in these municipalities. Right, right. So, you know, there are the, the spotty nature. How, so if you find yourself in a situation where you feel you're being discriminated against, and a lot of times in work, what happens is you, you just are made really super uncomfortable. There are a lot of incidents that sort of stack up. You can go to an attorney. You can try to pursue it that way. But the, the bottom line is if there's no policy or there's no program or there's no ordinance in place, you're kind of out of luck. And that's largely what they'll tell you. You're really out of luck. And so, you know, that's a bit of the frustration. To your question, you know, uh, less than a year ago, there were, uh, you know, this goes to a, another question I'm sure we're going to discuss, but um, outside of Scranton, a couple was denied a, a service, to, you know, to hold a wedding reception. There have been people that have been denied um, in Bloomsburg, for example. Uh, there have been people denied in Schuylkill County, you know, use, uh, you know, when they went into a, a store for services. So those are all fairly fairly raw and, and certainly we know the people I mean there's there's you know those are three incidences right there so mm -hmm. but let's talk about that because the biggest or you tell me but sure. the, the biggest objection to this legislation or this type of proposal has been on religious grounds that uh, though there are those and as you're well aware that object to, on religious their religious beliefs saying their religious beliefs or their religious freedoms would somehow be eroded if they were forced to serve a gay couple for example something that they they think is a sin what about that how do you address that so the pennsylvania human relations act has uh a religious exemption. All of the bills that we've proposed have religious exemptions, and they mirror an exemption that says, for example, if you are a, a, a religious school, you can actually uh, terminate someone who teaches the faith. So you can actually terminate a person who uh, is a school teacher who is gay, and that has happened. I mean, that has happened um, in Pennsylvania, uh, who you know teachers have been terminated. However, um, it doesn't extend to people that work in other places in the school, and so to your question, a lot of these folks want to extend the that exemption incredibly broadly. To anyone. To anyone. Yeah. So you can, you know, at a, a, for example, at a, a, a Catholic hospital, you can, uh, you know, you could fire someone that works in the guest shop or fire a surgeon or fire, you know, anyone because they're gay. And so I think, uh, or transgender, and I think that's the sort of the craziness of all this. Uh, um, and the extension of service has been, you know, that... Uh, you know, public accommodations, that's really been decided in the courts. That's really part of uh, the argument. And, and so, you know, I think, you know, once again, uh, I think that's already it's already a decision made. And, and you know, these folks want to broaden it out into some sort of uh, kind of undetermined um, and undefined uh, right of, uh, you know, your deeply held religious beliefs. I, I mean, I, and no one particularly defines that anywhere. So it's, mm -hmm. a, it's, a, it's kind of crazy in my opinion. So there are exemptions in the bill, but let's go to, and it's almost cliche because it's the example that so many people use when talking about this issue. Uh, the baker who uh, a same-sex couple comes in and wants a cake for their, for their wedding. And you know, the baker says, no, nope, not going to do it because I, I just, it's against my religious beliefs. What about a case like that? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, you do have the cough button. You not see that? Was, 
I, I do this on the air. I joke about it because I always joke with my Sorry. My, my guest about it. No, it's not, it's okay. I just and I know I, where the cough button is. I know. I, I get the look on the face, though. There, there are so many people. I tell the story. There are so many people that uh, they're not used to a cough button, so they'll cough, and then they'll, I'll see the look on their face like, oh, there's a cough button, and they hit it afterwards. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That. You, we can joke about that. <laughs> well, you know, first of all, I have to say, I think it's a pretty, you must be a pretty dramatic bad business practice to turn people away. I don't think there's anyone who feels comfortable turning paying customers away. And so I think that that is, you know, something to to, to really take into effect. You know, however, uh, you know, there is, uh, you know, there is the ability, uh, you know, when you're out there selling things in the public, you're out there selling things in the public, and that's been defined. And so I think you, you know, have to take into account that you just simply can't turn people away in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, aren't there instances though where someone a business person just turns someone away just because they don't like them or they've been offended by them i'm sure and i i don't mean and i don't mean racial grounds religious grounds uh sexual orientation anything like that but i mean i think of of the case of um a restaurant someone comes in dressed the Without a tie, or I don't think they do that anymore. But still, I, I mean, I'm sure there are people in restaurants and facilities that turn people away for various reasons. Uh, however, the very specific the the instances I told you were very specifically based on the fact that there right, was two right, women, the right. fact that this was, um, you know, two men, and so I think you know those are very distinctly go to the point of 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 being anti LGBT. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, mm-hmm. what about housing? Housing uh, seems like they're, you know, it's a little bit different than going into a retail establishment or uh, an employer, for example, um, because it's, it, I mean, you, you have a lot of people competing for maybe the same apartment, sure. the same house, and the person who owns that place or landlord can choose. They don't have to come out and say, well, we're not choosing this couple because uh, they don't have to come out sex. and say, obviously, but they have. I mean, once again, there have been situations. They're that not we've real dealt smart, with. are they? No, not particularly smart. But uh, there have been situations. So what happens? They'll usually they'll rent to someone, and then someone will move in or something, and then they use it as a uh, you know they'll use that as a pretense to 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 cancel a, uh, a lease or or to, or to evict people, and that's happened too. I mean, that is that has certainly happened too, and I think that is um, you know an issue to to. To, to really realize that's mm-hmm. your home. I mean, everyone everyone has a right to it, you know, to a, to a, to a home, and that's I think this, the situation that they face. Mm-hmm. When you say it's happened, I mean, you, you anecdotally, or do you know of specific uh, instances? Uh, anecdotally, I mean, once again, anecdotally, these are people that call me. They're not officially reporting anything to me because we don't have the capacity to take that. But uh, anecdotally, people have called and said, you know, landlords have made situations very clear or made things very clear to them that they don't want to, uh, you know, rent to those types of people. Quote unquote. And so that has happened, yes. Mm. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Our guest on today's program is Ted Martin, Executive Director of Equality Pennsylvania. We're discussing an anti discrimination law in Pennsylvania. It passed the State Senate Urban Affairs and Housing Committee a couple weeks ago, but it's stalled in the full Senate at at, at the present time. And we'll talk about the the politics of it in just a moment. If you have a question or a comment, 1 800 729 7532, send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You also can leave a question or a comment on WITS Facebook page. Again, that phone number is 1-800-729-7532. Ted, just to follow up on what we were discussing, Thomas asked, 
Are there any known instances in which someone has lost a job or housing simply because of their sexuality or gender identity? Sure. Uh, I guess one of the most famous ones here in central Pennsylvania, Dan Miller, who was on city council. uh, uh, Harrisburg City Council. Harrisburg City Council uh, was fired, uh, promptly fired by his boss after he appeared on television being interviewed, I believe, at a Pride Festival, and he was fired. So that's quite a famous, uh, you know, uh, quite a famous case. Uh, So there are certainly situations like that. Mm-hmm. What about housing? Uh, housing. Uh, I was in touch with someone recently uh, in Lancaster County who was uh, had a, uh, a boyfriend move in, a partner move in, and was promptly uh, bounced. Uh, and so, uh, you know, obviously, that is that is uh, a situation I know as well. We have an email here from Trina says, "A law only protects people if others obey the law. We have laws making rape illegal, and women still get raped. Laws against robbery, and guess what? We do need this law. But if it gets passed and signed, I have no illusions that I will be suddenly living in happy land. And if someone wants to fire me or assault me in downtown Harrisburg, they will. Well, I have no illusions we'll be living in happy land either, quite frankly. But the 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 fact of the matter is that laws do change public opinion." Over time, laws, they certainly uh, enforce certain statutes, but they also change people's attitudes over time. And so people become more balanced. Companies start to adopt policies. And so I think that the educative purposes of law is equally as important to the the statutory um, impact of law as well. Mm-hmm. 1-800-729-7532 is our phone number. We're going to uh, take some phone calls in uh, just a few minutes. But uh, let's talk a little bit about what is holding this bill up. I know the Pennsylvania Family Council last week uh, had a rally against it. I've actually talked with uh, Michael Gear from uh, Family Council on the air about the program, on this program before, ab- about this. What's holding this up? Well, let me just remind people that we also had our, uh, we also had an event in the Capitol the week before. We also had over 200 people there. We also had the governor come and speak and various legislators. So there is, you oh, know. Bipartisan, yeah. too. I mean, that's, that's one <laughs> yeah. of the, today, you have to mention that because yeah. Pennsylvania, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I mean, it was an ample, so there's been ample showings on both sides. Uh, so, you know, I think we have uh, opposition. Clearly, we have opposition in the Capitol. And, uh, you know, the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference uh, is is pretty, uh, pretty effective in slowing things down. Uh, you know, last week, uh, you know, they spent their time um, in the Capitol fighting against statute of limitations laws for, you know, so, uh, for uh, child sexual abuse uh, and giving rights to LGBT people. And, you know, pretty effective. They're pretty effective in the way they do things. And so, you know, I think that they were able to help to slow things down. Talk more about that in just a moment. Let's take some phone calls. Heather is in Linglestown. Heather, you're on the air. Hi, um, I am a small business owner. I'm a Christian. And the one thing I would want to say is as a Christian, owning my own small business, I would never refuse someone a job based on their sexuality, being transgender. I, I don't care about those things. I it's hard enough finding quality employees who show up on time every day just to do their job, get their work done, and go home. And to, you know, base your hiring practice on something so simple, I would never do that. It would risk my business. I don't think anybody else should do that either. And as a Christian, it's not my job to judge anybody. It's my job to do the best I can every day and, you know, be a good person. And that's what I plan on doing. So thank you. All right. Thanks for your call. 
Thank you. No, I mean, I think, once again, I, I think if you're open for business, look, I always tell the story about the, the the wedding ring that I wear. You know, my husband and I have wedding rings. And I remember when we, this is quite a number of years ago, here in central Pennsylvania, we went to the jeweler and we asked, you know, I called beforehand. Uh, we were, you know, we had this jeweler had been recommended. And I called beforehand and I said, you know, can I ask a question? And they said, sure. And I said, do you have a problem that it's two men? And the jeweler said, well, let me ask you a question. And I said, sure. She said, do you have money? And I said, yeah. And she said, I'll see you in an hour. So you know, the bottom line is, and she did great, great work. Uh, and so, you know, I have to think that people weigh, you know, these things when they're, when they're open for business. And, and to, you know, to the caller's point, I appreciate her sincerity. I truly do. But, but once again, I mean, I think, you know, you need to make, you need to make money. So I'm, I find it astounding that anyone would turn business away uh, as clearly um, based on those things. You know, I asked a question about uh, the legislation earlier, specifically what changed. Uh, on your website, uh, you quote a poll that says 78 mm-hmm. percent of, uh, of, of Americans are in uh, Pennsylvanians. Uh, Pennsylvanians, OK, right. are in uh, general support of uh, same sex uh, relationships. What's changed there? I mean, I, and I will add this. Terry McDonald. Uh, pollster who filled in last week for me when I was on vacation um, has, has told me, and he said on the, on this program, that in all the years that Franklin Marshall has been doing polls, that this is the issue where he has seen the biggest change in Pennsylvanians' attitudes. Well, that 78% is people that support non-discrimination, just so you understand. That's okay. specific to non-discrimination. I think what has changed so dramatically is that people know people. You know, over the past really 10 years... You know, LGBT people have become, you know, I'm sure there are countless people out there who can talk about the LGBT person in their family or their coworker or their neighbor, uh, because people have been more comfortable coming out. People have now gotten you're getting married, so you're getting invited to mar- you know, weddings, and so I think people just have gotten to know. And once you know people, when you find out that they're not treated equally or fairly or the same as everyone else, it can be offensive uh, to you uh, because you want your friends and family to be treated well. And that's why the attitudes have changed so dramatically, because people have gotten to know people. Plus, if you're under the age of 30, See, I can, that was my next thing. I can guarantee you, yeah. you know, the under the age of 30, you talk to someone there, they, they look at you like you're from another planet, that, that this is actually a really a heated discussion that you wouldn't treat an LGBT person the same as everyone else. So I think I think attitudes, demographics, and so much of the world popular culture has brought us to a different point. And so it has just happened very fast uh, because of those reasons. I always find it uh, fascinating about the, the younger generation because, let's face it, kids growing up, we get uh, a lot of our political beliefs, a lot of our religious sure. beliefs from our parents. Why is this generation different? I will say this. This generation of young LGBT people are braver than all of us put together. These are kids, and I don't use the term in a pejorative way, but right, these, are, right. these are young people that, uh, who understand who they are at a very young age and who want to live their lives just because of who they are. And so they take their... Uh, boyfriends and girlfriends to proms. They talk about the issues in school. They form gay-straight alliances, and sometimes in some pretty conservative places. Uh, and and I always say, you know, the definition of a minority is means there's less of you. And so these these uh, uh, young people come out uh, and they uh, fight for these issues. They have allies, very strong allies, and they make the difference. They are just remarkable. Uh, I, and I stand in awe of them all the time, quite you frankly. Know, you know, uh, there are already 
excuse me, there always are instances where we hear about a case that uh, is kind of unusual. There was one, uh, you mentioned prom, uh, about a, a young woman who uh, went to prom dressed in a, in a tuxedo and was sent home. Uh, and that got national attention. Uh, your thoughts on that? You know, I think there's so there's so few real joys in life. I cannot believe that that teachers or people in charge would send someone home for that. I mean, this is a memory that you're going to ta- you know take through your entire life. And once again, I, I it, to me it's hurtful. First of all, I think it's very hurtful and it's silly. Uh, I think that you know to understand that this student had the the ability and the smarts and the uh, a clear understanding of who they were to come in this way should have been respected. Should have been respected and applauded, not 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 sort of pointed out as something wrong or something odd. Let me just push back for a moment because you know this goes back and forth when you talk about uh, this issue in this case in particular. Uh, you know, some people who I would consider very open-minded, very progressive, said, "Well, you know what? She broke the rules. She was told ahead of time that uh, this this is not supposed to happen, and she did it anyway." You know, once again, I think people could have taken the time to understand why she did it. I think there could have been some care and thought given to the fact that that some students in schools are you know, don't fit every every box, can't check off every box, and that there needs to be some understanding. And I think many schools are doing a pretty good job of trying to figure those things out. Many teachers do it on a regular basis and guidance folks. I think they could have done a better job. I really do think they could have done a better job. We kind of got off track there, but I just thought of that as we were talking about it. We have a listener who asked, uh, why must over 90% of the citizenry, citizenry be obligated to follow the whims of the gay agenda? For example, why don't gays go to a cake baker who has no religious compunctions against baking and decorating the cake for them rather than persecuting a baker who has sincerely held convictions against such a service? Because in America, you should be able to go everywhere. I mean, I think it's uh, quintessentially American that you have the freedom to go and and uh, seek services where you want to be able to go and seek services or accommodations or have a job. And I think that, you know, uh, Americans have always believed that. And so, I, you know, I understand that. But people are part of society uh, and people are part of the fabric of what we do. And so you have to be part of that. And I think you have to have the freedom to do that. And, and so in my, my opinion, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's being persecuted uh, by making sure that everyone can use a facility. Yeah, and I wanted I put emphasis on that word because that was the the word rather than prosecuted. It was persecuted in a, in a case like that. All right, so let's go back to the, the anti discrimination sure. uh, bill. Where does it stand? So at the present time, uh, there is legislation pending in both the House and the Senate. So the bill that we're talking about, uh, which are actually uh, uh, it, it only. Um, it was a bill that covered housing and employment, was reported from the Housing and Urban Affairs Committee. Public accommodations is also a bill that we're working very hard for. We want sort of to move all of those things forward as well. But that bill uh, that passed out of the Housing and Urban Affairs Committee is now in the Rules Committee of the Senate. Um, SB 974, which is a larger bill that takes into account all of those things, is currently pending in the uh, uh, the um, state government, the Senate State Government Committee, and in the House, the uh, uh, Senate, the House component, which is uh, HB fifteen ten, is currently in the House State Government Committee. That's where they stand. Okay, uh, Representative Daryl Metcalf uh, is the chairman. Is the chairman? Yes. Okay, uh, very maybe the most conservative member of the uh, House. Have you heard anything from? That? Well, I mean, I think there are plenty of things. Senator or, or Representative Metcalf is pretty 
pretty eloquent and verbose on the issue. Uh, you know, and I think he just has refused to move it. I mean, I think he simply has refused to move it, even though we know we have, you know, more co-sponsors, we have the support for it to pass. Uh, you know, this governor, the last governor, the governor before him all supported these issues. Uh, you know, once again, I think that it's it's pretty astonishing that one person can hold up uh, really, uh, once again, 78% of Pennsylvanians in support. Uh, I think it's pretty astonishing that they can move that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I always wonder about that. Uh, you're right. I mean, I, I think people um, get a little bit frustrated with government when they see that one person and one person's who uh, firmly held beliefs can can hold that up. What about the role of constituents in this? Well, I think the other reason why legislators have changed their opinion so much is that they've gotten to meet people. I mean, there really was a time when I would go to the legislature and I'd talk to legislators and they'd say things like, well, there are no gay people in my district. Oh, really? You know, and what they, district is that? Yeah, and I usually <laughs> sort of bite my tongue, very frankly. But I think that... Uh, you know, you have to talk to legislators. As I often remind people, you are paying them. And so you need to make sure that they understand what your interests are. And so, you know, Equality Pennsylvania over the past two years, you know, has done an intensive amount of bringing constituents to, uh, you know, to legislators. When we had our event two weeks ago, we had over uh, 50, almost 60 people then you know, meet with legislators afterwards to talk about their lives and to talk about why non-discrimination is important. And so those folks have gotten to know people. Uh, And once again, legislators now sort of have had interactions and they're pretty regularly. So pretty regular. So you have to vote, first of all. I think that that's clearly important. But I think, you know, when you see legislators, you have to talk about your lives as an LGBT person. I think you have to meet with them. And not only once, I think you have to continually do that. I mean, that's that's really how the process works. And I think that's how you educate legislators. How have your conversations with legislators changed over the years? Well, you know, I often like to say that there are legislators that would have never looked at me a year ago, would have never looked at me, would have never taken a meeting. Uh, and many of them are, are at least trying to understand the issue. So I applaud the fact that they've come to talk to me. I applaud the fact that they've taken meetings with me to sort of see what things, uh, where things stand and, and understand the issues. And that's a good thing. So there definitely is, there definitely is movement there. Um, I think, you know, this, the legislature at one time had three openly gay legislators, uh, and that has changed the opinion. Now there's only one, but that has changed. You know, Brian Sims has done a remarkable job of bringing the issues forward, Mike Fleck before him. And I think that has changed, you know, pe- people know, you know, people know folks and that changes legislators. So, uh, you know, once again, I think, uh, uh, you know, you know, you have to be there. You just have to bring the issues to them. Go back 10 years, though. What I mean, you say there were people who wouldn't even talk to you. What, what were they saying? Uh, they just wouldn't say anything. <laughs> I think they just wouldn't take the meetings or, you know, they would say there's no appetite in my district or uh, I don't, you know, they they would really, uh, I, I think, just ignore the issue in many ways. I mean, you know, I think that they were just able to sort of shelter away or, you know, uh, you know, really cocoon themselves away to, to sort of not even talk about these issues. As I know, you know, legislators. So let me just let me just I'll explain it this way. So I remember when I first started, there was one legislator in mind. I won't say who it is. I remember talking to him and and it was when I first talked to him from Western Pennsylvania, he was very adamantly against the very adamantly against the issue. Uh, And at this time, there was an attempt to 
put a constitutional amendment against marriage. And, the, right. and so I, you know, he, he talked very clearly about it. When I went back to him four years later, really, to talk about non-discrimination, I mean, the comment was, you know, if I have to go home and listen to my kids tell me what a caveman I am one more time, you know, I, I, I can't stand it. And so, you know, that has worked. So, you know, these guys don't exist in a bubble. I mean, they're, they're getting pressure from family. They, there's popular media um, as well. And I think that's really how it's changed. And, and, and of course, his attitude had changed. So maybe you and other people who lobby for causes across the state should get to the families, should get to the kids. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm curious. Are there any difference between when you talk about this issue between women and men legislators? I mean, we know that Pennsylvania has uh, fewer women than most most other states. I don't think there's a lot of difference. I think it really has to do with whether or not they know somebody. I think there's a there's a real recognition. I, I, what I find in in legislators is that there's now suddenly a recognition that that every that they know somebody. They were either a college roommate or they are a cousin or, you know, those sort of things. And that that has nothing to do with gender. I think legislators just sort of have come to the conclusion um, pretty regularly, to be frank. Mm -hmm. So, are you optimistic about this bill? I'm always optimistic about this bill. I right, will be be realistic about optimism, being <laughs> optimistic. Sort of. Yeah, I have to be optimistic. Trust me. Uh, I. You know, I think uh, I think it's going to be a hard go for probably the rest of the year for this legislation. I think we'll continue pushing for it. I think the more people understand it, the more they want to make sure that it changes uh, and that it's remedied. Uh, uh, but I, I do think it's going to be a heavy lift. I do think it's going to be a heavy lift. I mean, I've outlined that our opposition is tough and well-financed, very well-financed um, and effective at what they do. And so I think that it just takes, uh, you know, it takes a real battle to do that. Equality Pennsylvania is committed to it, but, you know, it is it is a battle. I saw on your website that uh, you were addressing what you called some myths that were out there. What are some of the myths that in, in that what you see? Uh, you know, some of the myths that uh, you know, there's there's myths around, and I don't even want to rep repeat them on here. But there are some things that that the opposition says about uh, you know private space like bathrooms. Okay, we're going to talk about that a little you know, bit. All that too, sort of there. all that, and and those are big myths. I mean, they, you know, there are laws currently on the books that prohibit, uh, you know certain things happening in bathrooms, bad things happening in bathrooms, for example, our, our bill doesn't change that at all. Um, it doesn't force people into, sh you know, showers together and all these kind of things. That's just that's just fear tactics. That's just a red herring to really move people away from the issue. And I think those are some of the myths that we really want to address. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Welcome back to Smart Talk. Our guest during this portion of the program, or when I say this portion of the program, the entire program is Ted Martin, Executive Director of Equality Pennsylvania. We're talking about a number of issues, but uh, specifically about the legislation, the anti-discrimination uh, bill that was passed by the uh, State Senate Urban Affairs and Housing Committee. It's a pretty big deal in uh, Pennsylvania just a few weeks ago. If you have a question or comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You also can leave a question or a comment on WITS Facebook page. Where do you stand on this issue? You think that uh, Pennsylvania should support, the legislature should support an anti-discrimination law. If not, why not? Give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Uh, you know, something that uh, you said very early on, and often when we have these discussions, Ted, you use the word safety. 
and you know in the context of what happened in Orlando a few weeks ago sure. where we were talking about the danger to uh, the LGBT community uh, and their their personal safety does this somehow translate into people in the LGBT community not being safe uh, you know I think what it what it has done I think this issue uh, you know, really in light of Orlando has heightened people's sensitivity. And so, you know, people are on hair triggers about about all of this. And so, you know, if anything, I, I, you know, uh, it makes people nervous. Um, I think that people, uh, you know, I've been invited to speak at uh, several mosques recently, which was pretty remarkable uh, for me. Um, and, you know, the people who are there at the mosques are afraid. I mean, they're afraid uh, for, you know, for various reasons because of the sort of the level of discourse out there. Um, you know, I, I can't let that certainly power what I do, but I think other people, uh, you know, get nervous. I mean, I think they understand that that certain acts of violence can happen. Um, and it's all too, you know, really, it's all too familiar for LGBT people. That's really, I think, what Orlando brought home to, you know, to people that, uh, you know, violence against LGBT people is, is really all too common. Mm. Uh, you know, earlier, w- we had talked about, uh, you know, some examples of, of, of what's happening here and that, uh, uh, that whether there were laws in place that protect mm-hmm. uh, the LGBT community already. And by that, I was referring mostly to when it comes to personal safety, mm-hmm. because, you know, when we've talked about uh, laws that uh, would make it a crime, a hate crime, if uh, an LGBT person was uh, was targeted, you know, the argument at that time was that, well, that person could be charged with assault, sure. you know. So what about that today? I mean, are there more protections for people? Well, I think there's more awareness. So after, in light of Orlando, you know, my office, uh, not my office here in Harrisburg, but my office in Philadelphia was visited by the FBI. Pretty sobering, pretty scary, uh, you know, pretty eye-opening to the staff. Uh, but, you know, the FBI was there to say, you know, if there are things or in light of the situation, if there are things, please know that, that we're here and we're, we're observing, which is, you know, I welcome that, uh, you know, very much. But to your point, there are still no LGBT-specific hate crimes protections in Pennsylvania. They want there once were. They were struck down in the courts, um, so those don't exist, and they don't exist federally um, as well. So, you know, once again, it's uh, you know, and there was just a very violent hate crime uh, over a year and a half ago. It made national news in, in Philadelphia. Two men were sort of attacked by a mob of people, and uh, you know, pretty pretty violent and vicious uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Let's take some phone calls. Ernie is in Lancaster. Ernie, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. First of all, first of all, I want to say something because uh, I have children that I'm trying to raise. They're teenagers, and I've already raised one group of, of children. And I, I am I'm so fed up that this whole gay movement, this whole LGBT or whatever it's called, is constantly in our face. And and I know that humanity, all humans, are lazy by nature. That's just the way God made us. We always look for the easy road, and it takes it takes strength, it takes faith, it takes a lot of things to have a relationship with the other sex, and that's the way God made us. The, the other point that I want to make is that why is it getting shoved down our throats all the time, and how fruitless is a society when the men are sleeping with the men and the women are with the women? I mean, that's not the way it's supposed to work. And, and nobody wants to say that. It is so crazy. It's like, oh, we don't want to offend anybody. You know what? They're offending me because they're always in my face, and I've got kids to raise, 
and I don't want my kids looking and saying, well, geez, I guess it's okay. I'll just go sleep with Pete. I'll just go Pete. I'll go be Pete's date. Instead of, of striking up a conversation with the girl. And, and All right, Artie. Hey, I, I think we get it. your point. Hey, thank you very much for your call. Um, this really isn't addressing the anti the discrimination, but uh, I look. I think all relationships are tough. I think that, quite frankly, uh, same sex relationships, opposite sex relationships. If you're in a relationship, take a lot of. This is not my expertise, but I think that you know uh, to make anything successful takes a lot of conversation. Raising children. Something that's done by uh, you know same-sex couples is uh, almost as much as opposite-sex couples is is complicated and difficult to the point of the of uh, the caller. You know, I'm glad they're talking about it. I'm really glad they're talking about it because it is the only way that I think people will understand. And hopefully, it's a civil conversation. So, you know, to 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 his point, I understand it takes a lot of work. You know, one thing I will say though, I, I to what Ernie had addressed, I've heard people say that. Uh, you know, this agenda or agenda, this issue is out there very often. And really, when you, when you take that 78 uh, percent in, into account and many of those younger people say, what's the big deal? You know, that uh, I don't care what other people's, uh, you know, who they care to love, who they care to be with doesn't affect me. Why should I care? But I have heard people say that it is an issue they get they get tired of hearing about in the news. Well, I think, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to comment on that in the sense, uh, but I will say this, you know, for for a better part of two centuries of the country, LGBT people were, were, were treated pretty badly, were ignored, were shoved away in institutions, were routinely lobotomized. I mean, mm-hmm. really awful, horrible things were forced to live apart. And so, you know, I understand that to, 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 to sort of recognize that is difficult. I understand to, to sort of have that conversation is difficult. But for LGBT people, it's a part of uh, sort of making sure that we're, uh, uh, you know, part of the American society like everyone else. So you have to look at the good um, and the bad. And so I think that, uh, you know, to have this conversation to the point of the, you know, to the, to the caller as well uh, may not always be easy, uh, may not always be uh, pleasant, but I think you have to hear all sides of those things. Well, and, and by that saying that I've heard people say they're tired of hearing the conversations, does that mean that uh, they they don't want to have the conversation? You know, I think a lot of times when we would go into we go into communities and we help them pass ordinances, you know, to, to prohibit discrimination in employment housing and public accommodations. And most of the time, the the immediate reaction is, well, we don't have those things here in this community. That we're a good community. Everyone gets along here. Yeah. No one really wants to look that closely. That's why these issues are always so heated. That's why these arguments, the civil rights arguments, are so nasty, because it does show where we need improvement. And everyone, no one wants to have that argument, you know, on any issue, because it's hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's really hard. All right, let's take a phone call from uh, James in Gettysburg. James, you're on the air. Yeah, I'm just happily listening to the radio, and I'm kind of curious as to, uh, I'm 74, uh, and there's a lot of was some talk about only young people have interest in being fair to whoever applies for jobs. I recall when I was in my early 20s, I made an offer to a, a person who I, I didn't ask if he was gay. I asked why he got a Section 8 discharge in the Army. And he said, told me what, why it was. A Section 8 is, a, is honorable, but not quite honorable, if you know what I mean. And so we hire, I hired him, but I told my boss, was like 40 at the time uh, that I did that and he said well, what's the problem 
And that is what I've seen my whole life. Uh, my work career, uh, there was never – first of all, you can't tell when somebody's gay. And so it was a question that was never asked, but when they were hired, you kind of thought they were, and then you knew they were. They became friends. And I think that things are moving along fairly well right now, very well, I would say. And I think I heard that – I don't know who that caller was before I was on but I think that's a very small minority, at least from where I sit. And Gettysburg is not some real liberal town. Uh, so I don't know if pushing legislation is going to do anything. And the other thing I disagree with, I used to work in food services as a waiter and a bartender. And if I were to go to someone and they didn't want to make me a cake or a hamburger, the last thing you want to do is to annoy someone who won't, who's going to serve you your food. So I think these are all almost odd things to bring up about wedding cakes mm-hmm. for a gay marriage. Who would want to buy one? Who would want to give money to somebody who doesn't want you to be married? Yeah. Hey, well, thank but at any rate, so I don't know what to say, but I, I think that legislation, I don't know what the legislation is. I'm not sure it's going to help. I don't know what it's going to do. And it's kind of, it'd be, be better to go maybe uh, have get people to know their, that their friends are gay, although most people are pretty open now, from what I can tell. Yeah. Hey, James, so I thank- just don't think it's a big issue. All right. Thank you very much for your call, Ted. Well, to you know, to the caller's point, I think that you know he he accurately points out that society has changed. I think that that is a a really good thing. I I would ask to for for all the listeners to put themselves in the shoes of someone who is in a situation that may not be comfortable where they work, and so in a lot of instances, you know. Uh, uh, you can't talk about your life. You know, imagine coming back from the 4th of July today. You have all these things. You were with someone. You had a great time. You spent it with family and, and, and you're the person you're you, you married to or in love with. But the least little comment about the same-sex nature of your couple can get you fired. Not only does that, I think, uh, damage your ability to work well, it also damages you uh, mentally. The, the Pennsylvania Medical Society, the Pennsylvania Psychological S- Association also just came out in support of this this because it's damaging to a person's health and their mental health as well. And so I think, you know, to the caller's point, I understand, you know, and society is changing, but there are people that need help. And I think the law protects folks. Uh, and I think that there are, you know, damages that are very long term and I think can be very um Hurtful, and I, I do think it is time for for a uh, change in the law. Philip is in Harrisburg. Philip, you're on the air. Howdy. Hi. So I heard you mention earlier that there was a group that was a protective group for LGBT rights, and they had gotten struck down in the courts in PA. I was wondering. This is acknowledging that I don't know much about that group and how it got disjointed or whatever happened to it. But would it be considerable worthwhile to try and get one in to work through the government system now, or would it not be worthwhile with the new laws that are coming in place? Philip, thank you for your call. Well, Equality Pennsylvania is uh, uh, the statewide LGBT advocacy organization. We work across the state. We also work in Harrisburg, specifically with the legislature, to make sure that, as I always like to say, uh, good things happen and bad things don't. So we're always advocating for for laws that are positive, like uh, the non-discrimination laws. What uh, I think what the caller is referring to is that there was a group that uh, enabled uh, LGBT-specific hate crimes to be uh, passed um, well over 10 years ago, and that was eventually 
eventually struck down in the courts. That was a sort of a precursor organization to Equality Pennsylvania, but we do a lot of the same thing. So there is, uh, there are, there are, you know, we are one of the, uh, we are a statewide group. There are wonderful uh, community centers locally. There are wonderful groups in a lot of different places that are doing work. So, what, what are some? You mentioned a few of the municipalities, Lancaster, for example. But Lancaster, the, Harrisburg, York. What uh, do those laws say? Uh, that you can you can't discriminate uh, against a member of the LGBT community uh, uh, in employment, housing, and public accommodations uh, based on sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression. Susquehanna Township is another one. We have a, uh, an email here from Chris in York says he's a retired pastor. Uh, would say to uh, pick and choose which groups not to serve doesn't make sense. Those denying LGBT people also might have an issue serving Mormons. Uh, this was, you know, the comparison has often been made with uh, uh, serving African Americans. And at that, at that time in the, well, Jim Crow laws and those laws have been I mean that has that kind of discrimination has has been changed how do you compare the two well I would never want to compare the two I mean I think uh, you know a lot of people do though I know a lot of people do because I think it's easy I can never um, look I'm a uh, I'm an, a, a, a white man as I sit here I can never understand what it was like to be discriminated against because of the color of my skin quite frankly and so I think that those Struggles have to be respected. Those struggles have to be looked at. Um, I often refer to it as um, same church, different pew. I mean, obviously, we understand uh, what discrimination is. I think that we share similar views of what it's like to be treated differently because of who you are. And so I would certainly say that there are similarities. It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And as you said, a lot of people do make those comparisons, and you said that it's, it's, it's too simple. But does it make, like legislators, for example— does it make them understand? Uh, it helps. I mean, I think it certainly helps. I mean, look, America has been through these civil rights battles. Obviously, you know, the the, the African-American civil rights uh, efforts, which are still ongoing, by the way, you know, which are still questions and arguments we're having today, uh, you know, help people understand that you simply can't, you know, you have to address these things in American life. You have to address these things. Even with an African-American president, we're still having these conversations. And so I think that it helps legislators understand what it's like to treat people differently because of who they are, to separate them out of society differently, you know, it certainly helps to illustrate the case. Mm-hmm. We only have a minute or so left, and Ted, I want to thank you very much for uh, being sure. with us. Always enjoy having you on the program. Um, so you said that uh, you're optimistic about the, the anti-discrimination law. What's next for it? Well, I think we'll continue working with legislators. I think we're going to continue pushing, hoping that they can get things done. Uh, and, you know, move. The, they'll be in session, obviously, uh, in uh, in the fall. I believe they're going to be in session at some points in the summer. So we'll just keep moving uh, that way. And you know, if it doesn't pass this time, we'll introduce it again and we'll move it forward. I mean, uh, I think that that will always be our effort. Mm. Will there be the same kind of momentum, though? I mean, we. we I have to admit, like. A few months ago, we had the um, the liquor legislation that sure. made some liquor reform changes that came out of nowhere. This one kind of came out of nowhere and had its own momentum with it. I, I wonder whether you have that same momentum. Uh, look, I think we will. I mean, I definitely think we will. The momentum has changed. We know that the momentum continues uh, really on our side. And so I think that, uh, you know, Equality Pennsylvania will continue moving this forward. I think legislators will understand uh, that, you know, this issue is something they have to address as well economically uh, uh, and uh, just because it's the right thing to do. But I, I think the momentum will definitely be there.
Mm-hmm. Ted Martin is executive director of Equality Pennsylvania. Ted, thank you very much for being with You're us welcome. today. Thank you for having me. Coming up later in the week, obviously, I just recur- returned from vacation, so I'm getting caught up as well as uh, as you are as well. But uh, one of the things we're going to be talking about later in the week is uh, rabies. Pennsylvania leading the country in the number of rabies cases. So we'll talk about that uh, coming up later this week. <laughs> 